coming out this morning. Thank you all for for being here. We're glad we're glad that you are with us. I wanted to uh, before I start the lesson, I wanted to meant to remind everybody that tomorrow tomorrow is Veterans Day, and uh, I, I I don't know as as I've gotten older, I guess these things are more important more important to me, and I, I would just say uh, please uh, please take time to. To remember our, our veterans, our people who have served in in the military, many who have uh, have served in time of war. We have a number of men right here at our congregation who have have done that very thing. So let us uh, show our, our respect for them, not just tomorrow, but but really uh, uh, all the time. I, I've I've started doing something as of late, and it may it may not even be a bad it may not may be a bad idea is what I'm trying to say because I might get a I might get a punch in the nose someday, but I've, I've found myself if I'm at uh, the store or wherever I'm at, and, and you come upon one of these older gentlemen. Have you seen them? And they'll have a, a cap that says World War II vet or Korean vet or or something like that. I find myself uh, just impulsively wanting to go to those men and shake their hands and and thank them for their service. I've done it several times, and so far, uh, so far, uh, no stranger has uh, thrown anything at me, and, and uh, I, I probably need to refrain from it just a little bit, but I, I just want those folks to know that I do, uh, I, I, I respect them. One of the things that I have, that I have had the privilege of, of doing over the last few years is uh, speak at the memorial service for some of our veterans as they pass away and the the Sequatchie Valley Honor Guard is one of the greatest things that uh, has ever happened in this valley to, to me. Uh, veterans themselves uh, have a little ceremony, uh, the fl- whole flag ceremony and taps and everything, the 21 gun salute for all of our veterans as they pass away and I I, I just about, I, I tear up sometimes just, just watching the thing. It's it's so terrific, and so I wish we would have had that uh, uh, in time past when some of our our fathers passed away. I would love to have had that for for my dad, and so I just think that's a that's a great thing. And so uh, tomorrow on Veterans Day, uh, please uh, please remember and show your respect to our veterans. I asked Ben just now on short notice. I appreciate it, Ben, to. Sing that song that he just that he just led, because that's what our lesson is about. This book, give me the Bible, holy message shining. The Bible contains some of the oldest written documents known to mankind. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible many centuries before Jesus even came into the world. The newest parts of the Bible are almost 2,000 years old. There was a time not too many years ago when folks used to say that science and archaeology are proving that the Bible is not true. Now, in our day, if, if you follow these things like I do, Science and archaeology, as we learn more and more and more, and we unearth more and more and more, we are finding that the Bible 
that science and archaeology are proving that the Bible is true and it is accurate. The Bible was actually written in three different languages. Uh, uh, Originally, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. There's a little bit in Aramaic. And the New Testament was written in the Old Greek. Uh, the Old Greek is a dead language. They don't speak it anymore, even, even in Greece. It is a dead language. But, but the Bible has been translated into many, many different languages and dialects, and so all of these centuries later, we can still read what those inspired men wrote. In the 1700s, there was a... Uh, a French author, and don't ask me to to pronounce his name. I've actually thought that I was getting pretty good at uh, at pronouncing these foreign names, but he's got a name that I can't even begin to pronounce. But I can tell you that his pen name was Voltaire. Voltaire was a, one of the intellectuals of his day. It was it was cool to hang out with uh, with Voltaire. Voltaire predicted in his own writings that the Bible would be discarded. People would eventually throw their Bibles in the garbage can and that Christianity would disappear from the face of the earth. It would cease to exist. Well, after he was dead, Voltaire's own printing press that he used to print those kind of things was used to print Bibles. Voltaire's been dead for a couple hundred years. Bible's still here. It is amazing that the Bible has has survived all of these centuries. And yes, I said survived. Just think about it just, just for a moment. They didn't have any typewriters. Uh, in those days, even those, remember, if you're my age and older, I remember the one they had at Lusk School when I was there in the 60s. That thing would take up most of, most of this podium. The keys were so, were so big, you just about, you had to do it like that. The, the keys were so big, you had to change the ribbons every once in a while, you don't even you don't even see those things anymore. They certainly didn't have a computer keyboard that they could type it up real quick and just hit print and spit it right out. The old-fashioned printing press was not even invented until 1456. They had to do them all by hand. All of the copies of the Bible had to be done by hand. Imagine how hard and and how slow and how tedious that must have been. And there have been many efforts to do away with the Bible, to literally destroy it by idolaters who did not believe in the true God, atheists who didn't believe in any God at all. And while it is for the most part forgotten, it is a matter of historical fact that at the height of their power in the Middle Ages, Catholicism tried to keep the Bible away from the common man. They tried to keep regular guys from having access to the Bible so they, they couldn't read it. They, they didn't want people to read the Bible. And yet, we still got it. 
Here it is. After all of the centuries and all of the attempts to destroy it, the Bible has still survived. How did that happen? I believe God made it happen. I truly do believe that the only reason we still have the Bible is because, because God willed it to be so. He made sure that we would have it. The Bible itself is pretty incredible. 66 books written over a period of about 1,500 years by about 40 different men. They, they did not work together on it. Nobody lived 1,500 years most of them never met. They didn't, they didn't know each other. They didn't collaborate on it. And yet they, they wrote with the same basic idea. And that is there is an almighty God in heaven. He made the heavens and the earth. He will send a Messiah into the world who will save the human race from their sins. The Old Testament prophets prophesied about the Messiah centuries before he ever came into the world. And then the New Testament tells us he did send that Messiah. And he died on the cross for our sins. And, and this is his will for us today. And so just, just because of, of its unity and how it all goes together and falls into place, written by a bunch of men who never knew each other, that itself is evidence that the Bible must be the Word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, this is verses 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul tells us that, that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is God's message for the human race today. It's just as though God were standing right here on this podium and speaking aloud to us. It's the same thing. This is, this is God's Word. There are... Lots of people in our day who are questioning the Bible. Is the Bible the real thing? Is it just a big story? Is, is the whole thing just a myth? Even uh, surprisingly in the religious community, many people don't accept the Bible as a whole. I used to... Uh, and I have to say I've kind of got away from this because of what I was hearing. I used to watch every, every TV program that I could come across. If the Bible was the subject, I used to try to see it. And, and the reason for that, I just wanted to know everything that I could. Uh, how did we get the Bible? What was lifelike for those people in, in, in that day and time. I wanted to know all of those things. And so I would watch uh, on, on history and on uh, discovery and, and those channels. I would try to watch those things. But you know they would talk, 
they would talk with uh, ministers, priests, rabbis, professors of theology at various colleges and universities, and even they would question the Bible. Are the four Gospels true? Did Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John even write them? They, they would ask, was Jesus really born of a virgin? And one of, the, one of the ideas that they would put forward is perhaps that Mary was raped by a Roman soldier. And that's how she happened to conceive. There's no evidence of that at all. But just looking for some way to, to disprove the virgin birth. But you know the prophet Isaiah... 700 years or so before Jesus even came into the world, Isaiah prophesied, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. And then Matthew and Luke both tell us that indeed it did happen. Luke even includes an account of the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and telling her that she's going to conceive and bear a son. And, and Mary, Mary questioned Gabriel. How can that be? I've never known a man. Gabriel told her that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That, that's, how, that's how it happened. They would question, did Jesus really rise from the dead. And one of the explanations that sometimes was offered is that Jesus had a, a really tough night the night before his crucifixion, and he did. Uh, he was arrested, brought before the high priest, Pilate. Pilate sent him to Herod, Herod sent him back, brought before the Sanhedrin, dragged all over the place. He did have a rough night. The next morning, they nailed him to a cross. And so he was exhausted. He was traumatized. Jesus passed out. After laying in the tomb a couple of days, he woke up. Let me show you what the Apostle Paul says about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians 15 and in verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, that he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remained to the present. Some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James and then all of the apostles. Last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. Look at verse 17. If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then the Apostle Paul has got it all wrong. Jesus did rise from the dead. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 21, 
Peter says, therefore, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. God inspired the writers of the Bible and then made sure that we would be able to read it all of these many years later. The Bible would never have survived all of the people trying to kill it if it would have been an ordinary book written by ordinary men. It would never have made it. We would never have seen a Bible in our day. But God made sure that we would. And we should say there won't be anything else. This is it. There's a passage over in the book of Jude. Turn with me to the book of Jude. Jude only has the one, the one chapter, but I believe, I believe it's in verse 3. In verse 3 of the book of Jude, this is what Jude writes. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend... Now notice how he words this. To contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. There will be no new revelations from God. There will be no modern day prophets. This is all we get. We must study it and be obedient to it. In Hebrews 4 and verse 12, Hebrews 4 and verse 12, the Hebrew writer says that the Word of God is living and it is powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Bible says about itself that it is alive and well. It is not old-fashioned and out of date. It is still relevant for us today in the 21st century. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, let me show you what Peter, what Peter says about that. Beginning at verse 24, Peter says, Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. God's word's not going anywhere. And we still have it in our day and age. Notice what the Apostle Paul says about the word in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. This is verses 16 and verse 17. Paul says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. My friends, we cannot be pleasing to God separate and apart 
from the Word. It's, 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 it's not possible. Many folks in our day, and I, and I understand that it sounds good, and it's, it's what people want to hear, but fo- folks say, well, well, I have my own personal relationship with God. I, I don't need the Bible. I don't need uh, uh, a, a church of some kind. I have my own relationship with God. And that, that sounds real good. Friends, I say as kindly as I can, it's, it's not possible. The Bible emphasizes to us that our obedience to the Word is required. Jesus Himself tells us in John 14 and verse 15, if you love me, then you keep my commandments. And the Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews 5 and verse 9 that Jesus became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. Let us make no mistake. Our obedience to the Word is necessary. And my last point is this. Romans 12 verse 2. Romans 12 and verse 2. This is the last verse that we're going to use. Paul says there, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word... The Word can transform us. It can, it can change us and, and make us a, a different person. We'll have a different spirit. We'll have a different attitude. We will have a, a different way of life. But that won't happen accidentally. We must be willing to be obedient to what the Word teaches us to do. We have to be willing to obey what the Word teaches teaches us. And it teaches us to obey the gospel. And just just think about the plan of salvation. We talk about it every Sunday. Before I close my messages every Sunday, I always give you the plan of salvation. Think about it. Repentance. Repentance is necessary. That's just a change. It's it's just a change. We, We read God's Word. We study that word. And we understand that our life has not been in compliance with God's will. We realize that and we understand that. And we decide to to make that change and practice God's word. We we change the way that we live. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says that, that our old man is crucified with him. The person that we used to be before we obeyed the gospel. That person's gone. We've, we've changed their life. We've been transformed. We're, we're somebody different. When we repent of our sins, we change our life. We confess that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I'm convinced everybody in this room believes that Jesus truly is the Son of God. And then, we are immersed in the waters of baptism 
for the remission of our sins. And, and that's where the blood of Jesus touches us, washes our sins away. When we come up out of the water, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 tells us that we are a new creature. We, we've changed. We're, we're not the person that we used to be. Our old man's been crucified with him. Our, our sins have been washed away. We are a new creature. We, we've been changed. We're somebody else. As far as God is concerned, we start all over right there. We are a new creature. The, the, word, the word can do that for us. But our obedience to it is necessary. Make no mistake. Our obedience is required. The Bible also teaches us in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, be faithful till death and you'll receive a crown of life. We have to, we have to continue to practice the Word. If we fail to do that, then we, we wind up in a condition that is, that is no longer pleasing to God. We're not in good standing with God any longer, but we can fix it. If we are willing to repent of our sins, we, whatever it was, whatever it was that, that drug us down and caused us to be unfaithful, whatever that was, We've got to be willing to. We've got to be willing to quit it. We've got to be willing to stop doing that. If I, if I walk up to Terry Don Hargis and I punch him on the jaw, I could probably immediately say, Terry Don, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't know what came over me. I'm sorry. I think Terry Don, he's a, he's a benevolent guy, a merciful guy. He and he's a lot bigger than me too. He'd probably say, Okay, okay, okay. Let it go this time. A couple minutes later, I woke up and I punched Terry Don again. Terry Don, I'm sorry. He's probably not going to be thinking that I'm too sorry, especially if I go back and hit him a third time. I could say I'm sorry again, but he's probably not going to believe me. I'm not very sorry because I'm not quit doing it. Whatever it is that has caused us to fall away, we have to be willing to repent of it and quit, quit it. Make that change in our life. This morning, if you are not in good standing with God, maybe you've never obeyed the gospel, you've never repented of your sins, you've never confessed your faith, you've never been immersed in the waters of baptism, you can do that this very day. Perhaps you have been a Christian at some time, but you were not as faithful as you should have been. You know it. Repent of whatever it was that caused you to stray. And ask for the prayers of the faithful. Be restored. While we stand. While we sing.